Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Midweek on the trade and some mixed numbers on the corn. We saw some higher numbers in this bean complex and an interesting trade happening from a wheat perspective. On the livestock side, some big gains happening in the cattle and a drop in the hogs. We're going to dive into all the factors that are working into this market action, including what's going to happen with crop ratings and weather. We'll also talk about the export programs and some rains in Brazil. How does that tie into the wheat of the United States? We're going to get all those details today with Arlen Sudam. And Arlen, of course, is with Stonex. And I saw and was reading the crop uh, ratings of, of yesterday. No surprise, we saw a 2 to 4% drop in those crop ratings from the heat of the last couple of weeks. It's really kind of taken a toll on these. It is. And we would have expected a little bit more of a toll to have showed up in last week's ratings. And instead, it kind of took a little bit more time to show up. And now seems to be the case. And it kind of confirms what we've been fearing all along. This has been a very unusual year. As a former agronomist, I know that if you have a a very mild August, it can still be dry. And you can see bigger depth of kernel in corn, larger soybeans in the pot for for soybeans. And, And you can boost yields. But if it's hot and dry then you put a lot of stress on the crop you speed up the maturation of the crop that makes for a smaller kernel be it corn or soybeans in the pod and that has a direct impact on lowering yield well the first half of august was very mild the second half of august was very hot and in some cases a lot of record heat so how does that all fit together And overall, I think I'd probably rather see the reverse. I'd rather see the hot and then see the mild. Um, The way it turned out, we're just finished on the wrong note with these crops. And that's pushing us to maturity very fast. And we're seeing harvest uh, move forward, move from south to north faster than what we would anticipate normally. And that's a result of the heat uh, speeding up the maturation of the crops as well. Unfortunately, the yield models aren't designed to pick up on seed size. So those of us who depend on yield models a lot to kind of get a feel for what the crop's doing have to take that in consideration. So that's been a concern of mine over the past month, the way we're finishing off this growing season. How's that going to do? Now, if we take the crop readings that came out yesterday, it does lower my yield model to 173 for corn and 50.2 for beans. Considering years when we do have a poor finish, a hot, dry finish, the yield models tend to overstate yields. Therefore, I would anticipate that final yield will probably be below that. What we don't know is how that interplayed with the mild conditions in the first half of August. We can kind of make some assumptions, but we really won't know until the data comes in. So where do we get the data? Well, we're going to be releasing our customer survey, uh, what they think the yield is going to be in their areas um, later on um, today. So unfortunately, we don't have those numbers available yet right now. Those numbers will be out. The market will be taking a look at it. And and there will be other private surveys out as well. But the best indicator to date will be next Tuesday's USDA report. That's because they've been sampling fields. They've been weighing samples. They've been looking at seed size. Now, the crop's not mature yet, so that doesn't mean they're going to have an accurate assessment. But it should show us the trend. It should give us an idea. 
So that really puts a lot of emphasis on next Tuesday's USDA WASDE report, and I anticipate there will be some surprises in it. Ultimately, I think the market is starting to figure out that the crop's smaller than what they had thought it was. The question is, how small? And that we don't know. We know with corn, the demand has been very weak, and so it really needs to be considerably smaller in order to tighten up the balance sheet from where we've been over the last year. Is it that small? Possibly. We simply don't know yet. Soybeans are a little bit more sensitive to it, and that's because they have a tighter balance sheet, and that's why we saw more strength in soybeans today than we did in corn. So let's talk about weather in Brazil and how that's tying back around to wheat here in the States. Well, wheat has been trying to put in a double bottom on the charts. And when that happens, we've done that before and then made new lows. But every time that happens, those funds that have big shorter sold positions and wheat take some profits and uh, lift some of those short positions. And then as that happens, then that turns momentum. And you see momentum trading algos or computers start to buy that, and you get a rally until it runs out of steam. We realize it's overpriced, and it goes back down again. This time we're getting a little bit more help from also from the fact that uh, one of our biggest customers, Brazil, that buys hard red winter wheat from us, is having some heavy rains as their crop is finishing maturity. As you know, it's not real good to have heavy rains as a wheat crop is maturity. You start getting into disease problems and some quality problems. So far, our contacts down there in Brazil are telling us they're not seeing a lot of problems, but they're concerned and keeping our eye on it. As we go forward in the weeks ahead, this trend of wet weather in that region of southern Brazil where they grow the wheat is expected to continue. That's a normal El Nino pattern. And so if it continues enough to create those quality problems, then that could increase demand for hard red winter wheat as we go through the months ahead. And we certainly need that demand for hard red winter wheat right now. That's one of our biggest problems in keeping exports currently behind the pace we need to hit USDA's target for the year. And unfortunately, that target for the year is already the smallest in over 50 years. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to look at when we come back to continue the Fontenelle final bell for you on this Wednesday. We'll talk a little bit about these export programs that are going on for the corn and the beans. In reading the uh, afternoon midday notes from Ireland, we're going to talk about the Panama Canal a little bit more as well. Stick around. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for part two of the Fontenelle final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Summer is going fast and Husker Harvest Days is right around the corner. Please join us one final year in the Fontenelle Tent at the show September 12th through the 14th near Grand Island. There's plenty to talk about, including the merger into the new Channel Seed brand, our proven performance potential, and an expanded corn portfolio for 2024. So stop and see Fontenelle at Husker Harvest Days. The same local commitment with new possibilities. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. And we're talking some weather uh, when we went to break and, and looking at the weather happenings in Brazil. The rainy season is coming to an end, as you had talked about for Panama. And I know there's a lot of folks that have concerns about what's going to happen with water levels on the Panama Canal. 
Yeah, the Panama Canal is something we don't think about too much. We take it for granted, but virtually everything that we export out of the Gulf of Mexico that goes to Southeast Asia goes through the Panama Canal. And that's the bulk of our corn and soybean exports that uh, go to China and uh, as well as, uh, as Korea um, and other Southeast Asian countries. Now, some goes from the Pacific Northwest. But the bulk of what we ship out of the Midwest goes through the Gulf of Mexico. And so it's, it's a vital piece of that export piece. Now, as we look at uh, what's happening there now, a lot of people don't realize that the Panama Canal actually has a significant over 80 feet of altitude lift in it to get over the country. It's not all at sea level. So therefore, there's a series of locks and dams that have that ships have to go through to pass through the Panama Canal, and those locks and dams are fed by the Catan Lake that is up at higher altitudes in Panama. Well, they've just finished their rainy season now, and it was a very disappointing rainy season, and so water levels on that lake are about eight feet below normal right now. And so they're trying to conserve water because it's going to be another year before they have another rainy season to have the opportunity to refill that lake. And so it takes about 51 million gallons to support the movement in the locks and dams for every ship that passes through the canal. That's why they're trying to conserve water. So they're slowing the number of ships that can pass through each day and lowering the amount of draft that they can have. In other words, they can't be as full. And so this has really added to backup delays. And some ships are just deciding to take the longer route around South America or around Africa. That all adds to the cost. It adds to the cost of whatever they're hauling, whether it be corn or soybeans or whatever cargo that may be. Chinese buyers are telling us that it's a big concern of theirs because they're hesitant to buy too many soybeans from the United States or corn for that matter, fearing that shipping delays and or added costs may make may create problems for them so they're continuing to lean heavily on brazil if brazil supplies are similarly priced they're going to give the edge to brazil for that reason and that's why it's ending up hurting our u.s export season now as we head into the harvest time period when we tend to start uh, ramping up our exports and China's been leaning on more Brazilian supplies to supplement what they would normally buy from us. So is that, as you look at the export programs for corn and beans, is that going to be the biggest hindrance we see for our export potential? Well, it's one of the major hindrances that a lot of people are taking for granted. The other one is that Brazil simply has had a monstrous crop of soybeans followed by a monstrous crop of corn that they've harvested and are now trying to get rid of. Uh, this week's survey in Brazil found that the farmer still has about 36 million metric tons of soybeans in order to sell yet. And that's 1.3 billion bushels. Not all that's going to make it on the export market, but that means they're going to have soybeans to ship all the way until their next harvest when usually they would have ran out by now for soybeans for the export market. And they're just getting started shipping their corn market. And if you look at the lineup at the ports right now, it's full of of shipments of corn going out the door. So that is the other side of the equation. Then when you look at the uh, 
currency exchange rates, it definitely gives them an advantage of what they do have is going to be very competitive because of those currency exchange rates. With the dollar hitting new almost six-month highs today, that really hurts. Switch gears over to the livestock side with with weight numbers coming in tomorrow uh, from the USDA. How much of an influence or what are you seeing in weight options for cattle and hogs because of the moving early to processing and obviously the heat? Yeah, our our weights have been down, especially for hogs. We've been pulling hogs forward, um, fearing lower prices, and that's actually helped us to get more current. So now that we're past Labor Day weekend, it'll be less of an issue now. As we look at uh, beef weights there, too, we're seeing a little bit lower than what we might have anticipated. Um, Seeing numbers a little bit higher near term on this next week, so maybe the Packers have a little bit more leverage this week as we go into it, but still looking for cash cattle prices to kind of hold the range that they've been for the last 11 or 12 weeks uh, in the Southern Plains. All right, great. As always, Arlen, best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com or over on Twitter. I guess it's called X now. My handle's Arlen, FF101. Thanks so much. Arlen Suderman's been joining us today. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. That's a Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.